When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, Stars fans, it's Jeff Kay, public address announcer for your Dallas Stars, and you're listening to Starcastic Remarks, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Go Stars! Oh, hi, there. Welcome to Starcastic Remarks. My name is Ryan Chambers, and alongside my brothers, Chris and James, to my side, we are the official Dallas Stars podcast at THPN. Thank you to DraftKings Sportsbook for being our sponsor Go and use that promo code THPN the next time you go and use their services. Hey, guys. How's it going tonight? Howdy. It's going good. Howdy. Ah, I'm tired. What about y'all? Great start to your podcast. Just let everyone know how tired and how badly you don't want to be here. Great. (laughs) I am so excited for this episode. I've never been more excited for Wednesday night episode ever in my entire life. There you go. There's the energy you need. People well, appreciate honesty, Chris. I mean, if you, want, if you I want to start, honest. if you want to start on a high note, though, I mean, the Avs lost you're say. The Penguins tonight. Yeah, <laughs> the Penguins. We the Penguins tomorrow. Let's go. There, there was one tweet I, I literally like just read as uh, the countdown was going, and it was it was something about the Avs and okay. Got to pull a Dallas Stars here. Score two late, late goals with the goalie pulled and somehow force overtime. It's how they've done it all season. It's how the Avs have got to do it to contest with the Stars. Contest with the Stars. That makes me feel so good. Contest. It does. I don't know why it does, but it does. Um, we, And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit tonight as well with our standings talk. Uh, it's... Getting down to the wire. We're, we're down to the last 11, 12-ish games of the season. Lots of things to talk about because there's lots of storylines with this team, as there always is. It can never just be easy going into the playoffs. There always has to be a major thing that we're going to talk about. And obviously, with the name of the episode, you can pretty much guess what we're going to talk about for a good chunk of tonight. So... Something we're going to talk about tonight. There is a very interesting NHLPA vote or poll that they took. And it's members of the NHLPA, so players in the NHL. They they did a, a tally vote of 626 players. And they had them answer certain questions like, you've got, you have one goalie to win one game. Who are you going to put in net? Who do you want in net? And they did the same thing for a forward, same thing for defensemen. I think it'd be kind of fun to go through the answers from some of these players because a lot of the time we hear from the media, oh, well, this player is such and such best player. And, you know, this player is so much better than this player. And then the NHLPA does these little tally votes and it 
may or may not surprise us uh, depending on what happens in these polls. And I'll give you a hint. There's a Dallas Stars player. You probably will not guess who it is that actually makes one of those questions as the top response. So it's interesting. We'll get to that. And then we'll also get to, obviously, we got to talk about Ottinger. And James is here tonight so we can get more of his ideas and what he thinks is going on. Chris and I very briefly discussed it yesterday. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the, the Sagan injury. It looks like he's going to be coming back soon. Marchment and what he's going to be going. And for crying out loud, can we please get Wedgwood to come back? Because when we don't need to be going through injuries, it seems like the team is going through injuries. Now, with that being said, we absolutely cannot complain about the injuries as a whole compared to some of these other teams in the NHL. So let's just let's just get straight into that tonight, guys. So the sounds like that Sagan will be making his appearance in a Stars game for the first time in a couple of weeks, and it will be this week. So we're looking at either couple of days. Well, I mean, this week, couple of days, same thing. Two, three days, whatever. One day or three days, one of the two. So it looks like he may be coming back either Thursday or on Saturday. So that's going to be very interesting to see how he comes back and how it works. And on top of all of this, what the lines are going to look like uh, without Marchman in the lineup, but with Sagan in the lineup. So let's talk about how important Sagan's ability to this team is in moving forward. And will this be a giant push for the stars and maybe get they get them some momentum or is it just going to be kind of be like, eh, we're just kind of more focusing on the playoffs. So what are y'all's thoughts about Sagan returning and his role in this team and how important he is to this team? It's obviously a really big deal. It gives the stars a full second line, even with just Delandra being in that spot instead of Marchment, I think it still gives you a true second line there. So Delandra may not be the scoring threat that Marchman is, but he still has the pressure and the speed to make that line really competitive in the offensive zone and probably gives you enough to make them the true second line again in terms of time on ice and how many shifts they're getting. And that allows Ben and Johnson, who have been outstanding recently, filling that void to kind of play the third line role where they have been super consistent all season long and where it feels like we want them to play the majority of the time. Yeah. I mean, really over the past couple of weeks with Sagan and Marchman out, we've, we've been rolling two lines essentially, but only one of them has been scoring and it's been the Johnston line. I mean, right. teams are focusing hard on the, on the robo hence Pavelski line and, and the Johnston line is just going crazy. At some point, that's going to slow down, and the fact that we're getting our we're getting Sagan back before it looks like they're even close to slowing down is a really good sign. So with Sagan coming back in, obviously he's going to slot in right next to Domi. But I guess the question more is is who's going to be that third person until Marchment returns? Because when you, I, I think the obvious answer would be Delandria. I, I feel like that's kind of a no brainer right there, but. Do you give somebody like Roddick Foxa, who's been okay? He's been, he's been okay lately, and he's he's got 12 goals on the season. He's got the most goals he's had in several years now. Or do you try Kiviranta and maybe try to spark Kiviranta moving forward? I don't think you'll see Kivi there. You might see Foxa there. It really it, it really depends on how they're playing with Sagan and Domi. 
I would be upset if Delandre just doesn't start in that position at least yeah. and doesn't play there at least a few games because he has been outstanding being able to play up and down the lineup and actually showed in the middle of the season he was giving either the second or third line a spark and making them better when he would switch between those two lines. So I think it 100% is going to be Delandria unless he's just playing yeah. terribly, which I don't see happening. He's been one of our yeah. more consistent players all year long. The the only argument you could say for Foxa which it's it's a valid argument is he's he's scored more and scored more recently so yeah i just the, by the eye test i feel like this is kind of a fox anomaly more than he's playing fantastic he is getting in position to scoring goals and he is finishing very well that's one thing that i will give him he is great at finishing i just don't think he finds himself in position to score very often and well, i think delandra gives them a better chance to he's a better passer I think he's better on the puck, and I think he's a little bit faster too, and I think he fits that lineup a little bit yeah. better. He's definitely faster, that's for sure. Random tangent question here, because since we're talking about Delandria, but what makes him such a Swiss Army knife? Because it seems like every so team hard, needs... <laughs> See, it like, just works and, so hard. Right, and it, he, he makes me think a lot like Alexander Kerfoot in... In Toronto, because Alexander Kerfoot seems to be like all over the place in the lineup for the Maple Leafs. Same thing, kind of like with uh, Barkley Goudreau and in, he, he in uh, New York. Me, he kind of reminds me of Jan Mark in a lot of ways. It's just like he fights really hard for pucks, and he, he's in lots of scoring chances. He doesn't score that much, but he he's always setting people up for him too. So yeah, uh, I think really what makes him good is that he plays like a really good fourth liner, but he also has speed. And that's what makes him able to play on the second and third line on this team rather than just being stuck on the fourth line. The fourth line, I think, is the difference there is the speed. Delanger has a little bit something extra that he can get going with the with the big boys and he can make stuff happen. Well, let's be honest here, guys. Is the Domi line when it comes when it's fully put back? It's right now it's the third line. But when it comes back, are they even when they have Sagan and Marchman, are they really the third line for the stars right now? I mean, I mean be honest. I, What's the question? I, so when March is Johnston line the second line, or is the Domi line the second line with when, Sagan and Marchman on it? Maybe I should have been more clear. I'm sorry. Um for for me, I really think that it's they're still gonna be the second line because they they are a lot more they have a lot more experience in the league. They're gonna get more minutes, and honestly. Before Marchman got hurt, he was turning it up, man. He had a point in every single game since he got Domi on his line with him. That line was rolling better than Johnston's or as good as Johnston's line is rolling now. And let me point this out, by the way, real quick before Chris answers. I'm sorry. This is a good problem to have. <laughs> Two second lines. I mean, we're arguing about who the second line is. That's That's a good problem to have. And I've been saying this for years. The third line is so important. And uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll say my argument in a second. Chris, go ahead. Yeah, and that's definitely, I mean, you could switch that up. So the second line is playing poorly, then absolutely. The third line becomes the second line. Just flip it. Um, but and, I think. And honestly, the, honestly, with the way DeBoer runs it, it's going to be about the same anyway. They're going to be very close. Absolutely. <laughs> that's exactly what Ardell just said in the comment section over there. If you're rolling lines, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's very but true. I think uh, at least the way you deploy them, the the Domi Sagan Marchment line would be your second just because of the combination of size and speed. It can play a little bit better against a higher line on an opposing team, especially in the playoffs. 
They're going to try and put their better defenders out against you. They can handle that a little bit easier. They're going to try and put their bigger defensemen out against you. That's not going to matter with these guys because they can throw some weight around too. Um, Jocelyn and Zidanov are a little bit on the smaller side and a little bit on the not as fast side. So pure skill. The second line has a little bit more, but I I will absolutely say the third line has more intellectual skill as well. More hockey sense. In terms of how you want other teams to see you, you definitely want the Domi line to be your second line. Yeah, You definitely want the third line being matched up against other third liners. Agreed. Okay, so get this. I, I, I think this is kind of funny, but Tyler Sagan is 6-1, right? Domi is 5-10, and then Marchman is 6-4. So there's a bit of size there and a bit of... of I, I don't want to say itty bitty. I don't want to say itty bittiness because he's still taller than all three of us. But hey, 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 hey! Oh, shut it! You, almost we as all tall. Know. As Chris. Okay. Chris is almost as tall as him. <laughs> uh, not quite. You're, you're what five seven? No, Chris, no, what? I'm five seven. Chris <laughs> is like the blasphemy. I was looking for that face, and I got the face, so I succeeded uh. in my comment. <laughs> I know you've been had, Chris. Yes. And and then all right, so then Johnston is six one. Dodonov is Johnson on the smaller side, one? but he's yeah, I know he's he, a he short six like one. That. Right, I know, right? <laughs> That's what I would thought. And then you've got Jamie Ben. I think he's six three, no, he, right? Six two, six two. He's oh, excuse six me, two. one inch off. Okay, <laughs> so I, I would argue that's not necessarily true. They've got, I, I mean, it's about the same size. Well, so, height and size are two different things. Yeah. Johnston's a lot smaller than his hype is. Okay, he's 19. He's, he's 19. Still yes, I, yeah. No, I understand, <laughs> but right now, still. And you don't want him playing that way anyway with the way he's rolling right now. Right. So uh, it, it's a good problem to have. And I would only argue, just for argument's sake, I think it's stupid but that we can argue about this. It's fun that we can argue about this. Johnston has 20 goals. Jamie Ben has almost 30. How many goals does Tyler Sagan have? Injured. Not 20. But again, he hasn't been having the same kind of season Jamie Benn's had. How many goals does Marchman have? Injured. Well, and he had that mental block for 40 games. (laughs) Hey, 30. 30. Same difference. (laughs) That was an empty netter. It was another five games before. Okay, that's true. But still. That's that's true. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's fun to argue about this, but... Uh, let's get into Johnston a little bit too, since we're mentioning him five goals in five games, seven in the last nine, Chris, we talked about it a little bit, but I mean, James, I mean, throw the praise on the kid. I, I mean, it, he's ridiculous. Yeah, and it, he is, he is actually now starting to get more recognition across, across the national media landscape. I mean, Jeff Merrick is going on 32 thoughts, the podcast. That's one of the biggest podcasts for hockey in the entire and all of North America, maybe even in the world. And they're going to interview him if they haven't already. I think they actually inter- maybe even interviewed him today. And I, I mean, he's going crazy. He's going berserk right yeah. now when we really need him to. Yeah. And, and the, the important thing is that he's doing it late in the season. This is not like a normal rookie thing to do. There's maybe one that does it every year, but it, it's normally only one. And most of the time, you see after 50, 60 games, they start to slow down a lot. And you saw that a lot with Beniers. And uh-huh. I think he has like 
two goals in the last like 20 games and he's Which is crazy and for he's, him yeah and and he's still sitting at 19 goals on the season so i mean the 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 really crazy thing is how consistent johnson has been and how much time he gets to on a team that really is a lot more stacked than seattle's is you know i would i i think you really have to be honest with yourself it when you look at both of these players and it's not fair because I have not watched Matty Beniers at all except for the games he's played against Dallas. I mean, we're a Stars podcast. We focus on Stars, so we don't really focus on the Kraken. But I would argue that just based off of looking at Wyatt Johnston and where he was at the beginning of the season and the progression that he's made now into where now we're ta- having this conversation about is his line the second best line on the team? Not because of just Jamie Ben, but also because of him. Uh, the progression, he's gotten better. So I would argue that over the course of the season, he has been the more dominant rookie than Maddie Beniers has. Now, it's it's the thing I would argue against and be the devil's advocate for here is that Wyatt Johnston does not play on the top line for Seattle, right? Matty Beniers is on the top line for Seattle, I would assume. He's definitely up there. And Wyatt Johnston was sheltered on this team until he finally got his confidence going, and now he's starting to emerge as that top six forward we all hoped he would become. And it seems like he's really starting to be that player at the exact right time. And, I mean, I don't know what he's going to do in the playoffs. We don't know what what he's like in the playoffs, but I would argue he's the better, more qualified Calder candidate. Now I know that's not how people vote. They vote off of, you know, name recognition and hype and stuff like that (laughs) and points and stuff like that. That's fair too. But I mean, am I wrong? Am I right? I mean, if, if Johnston is able to hold out this tear that he's on for the last 10 games of the season, you really could be looking at him just stealing the Calder altogether, honestly. Yeah, he'd have to go literally insane the way he has been the past five games, though. So that's a that's a tall ask, but he at least has earned a nomination, I believe. I I mean, definitely over Matias Maselli, Arizona guy, Michelli, Michelli. Thank he, you. He's yeah. actually been really good too. It, that that guy has hands. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but it, it, the amount that White has done especially on a much better roster, like James was saying, with much less ice time, it, it, he's got to be at least top three, and especially when he's the goal leader now too. Well, and he's and he's also such a significant part of this roster. It's like no offense to Michelli. Michelli's going to be a very good player, and he will be a top six forward for Arizona, especially when they really start pushing to go back to the playoffs. But Wyatt Johnson is already doing that now in his first year. He has a lot of help. He has a lot of help, let's be fair. But he's significant in that help. Yep. So he, he's starting to take over his significance. Like, I would say he's even more important than, like, some other players on this team that we wouldn't have thought he would be more important at at this point in the season, right? I mean, is is he more is he more important than our second-line center? Like, than Sagan or even, even Marchment or, uh, I mean, Obviously, I wouldn't say he's more important than Jamie Ben. Jamie Ben does so many other things, but I would argue he's 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 up there. He, he he's really filled a role that the Stars have not really ever had, and that's a very good third line center. 
he, he's filled that that we have not had before. Yeah. So and, in, in that yeah. sense, that really makes us a contender rather than just a, a playoff team. Yeah. So I get and, what you're saying there. Absolutely. And, and him being the center is, is the really important thing to me. Cause that, that is like, that's his line. He makes that line as good as it is, as good as it, as it is. It's not, it's not Ben that's, that's doing everything on that line. It's a lot of Johnston pushing play and making smart little passes and smart stick handles and, and back checking really hard too, honestly. Well, and I mean, imagine right now looking at, at these stats here, looking at it and saying that he doesn't deserve to be one of the top three. Cause I mean, Kent Johnston is around. So is uh, Michelli in Arizona. Mason McTavish, who is ridiculous. He's in there already. Yeah, he, he's he's definitely in there. It, it, he's done so much for a, a really bad uh, Anaheim Ducks team. But, I mean, this guy, he could score... He could possibly score 30 goals. It's not likely. But 25, at, at this point, most definitely, he could get to 25. If he if he hits he's not thirty, gonna he's gonna the win the Calder. If he is <laughs> no. thirty, he wins the Calder. If he no, hits thirty, he, he wins the Calder, hands down. No, he no he won't. Yes, he will. How much you want to bet? You no, hit thirty won't. as a nineteen-year-old rookie, you are going to win the Calder. How much you want to bet? Let's bet on it. Especially you're talking ESPN at Especially you're talking. There's only eleven games left of the season. Yeah, nine goals in eleven games to beat Matty Beniers by ten goals. That would win. That would win. I just don't think so, guys, just because... I don't think it's possible. I, it's not going to happen, but if it does, <laughs> that that'll be, that would be... If he doesn't win the call, there would be a crime. Hopefully we just spoke that into existence. All right. Right. Next time. Hey, hey, we can come <laughs> back We can come back after game 82 and say, hey, see? See what we did? Yeah, you're welcome, Johnny. <laughs> you're welcome, Wyatt Johnson. Okay, so... All right, what do we want to get into next? You want to do the NHLPA poll stuff? Sure. Or, or do we want to talk about Otter? Well, we should maybe save Otter for last. What do you think? Your show, man. Oh, come Two's on. <laughs> Y'all are no help. Okay. You're welcome. All right, yeah. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Okay, so this was really interesting. I didn't even know that... They even did this. This this is just something that I found on the internet. It was mostly on Twitter. But the NHLPA took a poll of their players. And again, not everybody, you know, submitted a, a ballot or whatever. But they and, and 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 again on these ballots, not every player filled out every question either. You didn't have to. That was just a, a thing. So there were 626 players that were surveyed in this NHL PA uh, player poll. So what, what I thought would be interesting is to go through some of these, and I'd, I'd like to know, uh, see if you guys can even guess. I hope, hope you guys aren't looking it up. I'll Are guess all of them. Did you look it up, Chris? I did not, no. Okay, good. I didn't either. Okay, good. So y'all can be, you think I was. Okay. All right, so according to the NHLPA, you have one goalie, and you have to win one game. Who is that goalie that you need to win the one game in the entire National Hockey League? Who would you pick? I'd pick Flower. Flower? It's interesting. Flower is number three, but Vasilevsky is number one. 
I'm so smart. Who Chris do you think is the no- obvious one? <laughs> yeah, he did. Who who do you think is number two? Who's goaltenders? Hmm. Goaltenders in the league. Hellebuck? That's a good guess, but no. I think that's a very educated guess. Now, remember, players have a long... That's another good one, but no. Really? Not Saros? Not Saros. It's Igor Shosturkin of the New York Rangers Mm. at number two. Mm. Yeah, maybe not over Saros. Over Saros, though. (laughs) Over Saros. I don't know. Yeah, did they specify that this was a regular season game, or was it a playoff game? They did It is one game to win it all. Right, but well, I'm not saying it's just circuit. Well, let's just say <laughs> let's just say this: it wasn't even close. Vasilevsky had 52.3 percent of the vote there. Like it wasn't even close. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, same scenario, but forward. Same scenario, but a forward. A Connor forward? McDavid. Please, if it's not Connor McDavid, it would then be kind of crazy. It's Sidney Crosby. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's Connor McDavid. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Sidney Crosby. Oh, my god. Again, McDavid, 59.3%. That that was pretty obvious. It, Crosby comes in at number two with 11%, and McKinnon comes in at number three with 8.4%. So, no surprise there. Correct. Okay, so uh, this next one, it's not really surprising, but it, it might be a little surprising to me, just based off of history. Same scenario, but, oh, no, not the same scenario. Excuse me. It's just, who do you think is the best top defenseman in the NHL right now? Not who's going to win the Norris this season, but who is the best top defenseman in the NHL? I like Fox. I'll go with Fox. I think Fox is pretty good. He's more established than Makar is. Makar's had a couple of good seasons, and he's really good offensively. I feel like Fox is just better defensively than Makar is, and also has the offense to back it up. <laughs> Talek Lizzie over in the comment section. Ryan Suter. <laughs> I love that. Chris, I'm, what's your guess? I'm going to take McCarr. You're going to take McCarr. Chris would be correct. McCarr is the answer. And what again, it, it, and, and well, here's, here's the, here's the surprising statistic for me. It was even a bigger, bigger difference here than in the, the first two categories that we talked about. So, so Makar at 63.9% and then Hedman at 11.4 and then Yossi at 6%. So I'm surprised more people didn't say Hedman. I I, I still think that Makar would win still, but I'm surprised that Hedman is that low because Hedman has been a good defenseman for a very long time now. Okay. Um, who is the best stick handler in the NHL? This one is a little harder. This one is a little handler. harder. Best stick handler. Uh, James? <laughs> I don't even know, man. That one's hard. I mean... I'll take Kucherov. I'll oh, that's a good guess. That's a good guess. James? I'm McKinnon. McKinnon? Yeah. McKinnon is on the list, but he is number three. And Kucherov is not on the list. Dang. So McKinnon got 3.8. McDavid got 28.7. He's number two. Number one is still Patrick Kane, according to the NHL players. That was was a surprising one to me. Right, exactly. So even though Kane has had a a quote-unquote rough season for him, 
he still had a, a, a good season pedigree. for most people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he wins 46.1% of the vote there. So that, I mean, that's still significant. That's still quite a bit. So yeah, there's that. Okay. And then who's the best passer in the NHL? We'll do like three more. McDavid or Crosby? Chris? I'll say McKinnon. McKinnon? Uh, both of y'all are wrong. Chris, oh. you should have guessed Kucherov. Uh, that was my <laughs> second guess. I swear it was. <laughs> he was number three. Kucherov was number three. He made the board at 10.5%. Uh, Patrick Kane, apparently, I guess that kind of makes sense with the stick handling thing. He He's at 13%. Leon Dreisaitl is the number one here oh. at 25%. So I mean, that was that was interesting. It's, it's kind of hard to have a bad pass when you pass to the best hockey player in our generation. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is, is it's normally McDavid who who dishes the puck more. I mean, he still has a crazy amount of goals, but like I mean, they could just year, give him everything though. <laughs> yeah. Like this year, this year I think he he either has 60 or he's on pace for 60. He's two away from 60. There you go. 60 goals. Something like that. Yeah. That's he's ridiculous. two away from 80 assists. <laughs> oh my he gosh. has 136 <laughs> points. Oh my goodness. That's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, we'll do two more. Okay. Um, I, I, I want to make sure I read this correct. Okay. All right. Which player in the NHL affects the game the most around the net? Around the net. Around the net. That is the question. Both sides, offensively or defensively. That's just, just what. That's just what. That's what the question says. So, so it could be either. Well, so Jamie Ben. Well, hold on. So you don't venture <laughs> down the wrong path. It's offensively. Uh, I, I, most players went with an offensive idea. So that that'll narrow it down a little bit. I'll still go with Jamie Ben or Joe Pavelski. One or the other. I'll take Pavelski, I guess. I have no idea. This is where Joe Pavelski is number one, where a Dallas Stars oh. player shows up. According to players around the NHL, he is the best he's, player at affecting the game around the net. He's made his late career off of just deflecting and being crazy there. So, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, well, and let's think about it for a second, right? So with Pavelski, he's he's got that that IQ, that hockey IQ that people talk about all the time, very similar to Robertson, right? Robertson just seems to be at the right place at the right time all the time. And he has a really great shot, right? Pavelski is a little older. So his shot is not as good as it used to be. I would, I would argue, but how often is he in the right place at the right time? And he just has an open net like all the time, all the time. I mean, he, he did it. He's done it recently. Excuse me. So he actually won that by, a a narrow margin not a crazy narrow margin but it was he, he had he won 21.4 percent of the vote and then chris Kreider, which that doesn't surprise me either that guy is a beast uh 14.6 and then matthew kachuk again doesn't surprise me there at 8.8 percent. so that's the category where a dallas stars player shows up all right and then the last one that we'll do there's lots of other ones but we don't want to do any more of this uh the most complete player in the NHL, according to NHL players. It should be McDavid because he scores so much that who cares about his defense? <laughs> but I think they're going to say Sidney Crosby. 
Okay. I like the Sidney Crosby call. Wow. Both of y'all. Good job. Sidney Crosby is number one. Even though he's no longer Sid the kid, he's Sid the old man. Um, he wins th- at 30.1%. And then let's let's make it interesting. Who do you think is number two? You're making it hard. This isn't interesting. It's hard. Exactly. Um, I'll give you I'll give you a hint. It's not uh it's neither McDavid is neither number two or number three. I didn't make it easier. <laughs> McKinnon. That doesn't make it easier? Try side up? Nope. Okay, y'all both gave a guess. Patrice Bergeron, which makes Fair. a lot of sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. He's been so consistent <laughs> for so long. I mean, the, the Selkie Trophy really should be renamed in his honor because he's won it so many times. Um, And then uh, y'all would never guess this third one, but Alexander Barkov, Alexander Barkov down in Florida is number three at 7.1%. Player. Hmm? Most complete player, Alexander Barkov? Yes. That's fair. It's very fair. Sasha there's a Barkov. lot of people. There's a lot of people out of the first place spot, though, that you could say that's fair for. <laughs> that's true. That is very true. <laughs> the biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame Moneyline bets and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every single day to see what they have in store. Right now, what I'm keeping my eye on is U of H. They're doing really well right now. And just because Chris was persnickety about it, I'm also going for Arkansas to go all the way since AM is now out of the tournament. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, uh, let's get into our last topic for the night, and then we'll wrap it up with the who cares. All right. Ottinger needs a lot of help. And this is single-handedly the most significant thing talked about across star social media right now. We need it's there. There's people that are arguing that Ottinger needs to be better and he does need to be better. And there's people that are making excuses for him and not making excuses in like a negative way, but like it's not really an excuse. <laughs> like it's, it's a fact, right? He's, he's played way too much. And I would, I would argue, I understand he's young and everything, but when you look at the guys that are playing the same amount of games as he is, those guys are more used to it and they are more established vets in this in this league, right? So the two that come to mind, Andre Vasilevsky and Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. Vasilevsky has been good for a very long time. He's won two Stanley Cups. He's gone to three straight Stanley Cup finals. Connor Hellebuck, he is literally probably the only reason why Winnipeg even has a shot of making the playoffs this year. So oh, yeah. It's not fair to put Ottinger in that category yet. We want him to be there. We want him to be with those kind of guys and those kind of names. 
I mean, but if you want to talk the... straight stats wise, let's he do it. Matches James. up with them okay. perfectly fine. So Hullabuck has played one more game than one more game than him this season. His save percentage is .01 better. He has a a nine eighteen. Otter has a nine seventeen, and his goals against is actually. 0.08 worse so he has a 2.59 otter has a 2.51 uh saros who's played the same amount as him has the exact same save percentage and has a 2.76 goals against average andre vaskoleski has a 913 save percentage and a 270 uh goals against average the the only one who's played as many games as as these top goaltenders that we're talking about is uh Ilya Sorokin who has a 925 on the season which is just crazy <laughs> for the amount of games that he has that's like ridiculous he has 93 games I think yeah 93 games and a 925 that's ridiculous dude <laughs> but you also have to look at I think Sorokin is helped out by a lot by how New York plays the island true but it it still takes a good goaltender to play that many games and sustain and, and the that's also fair. like that. That is also fair. So I, I think Sorokin is starting to kind of get his name into that category of with those he's goals. Been, he's been good for there. multiple years, too. So Right. Let's and, narrow it back to James's point, though, and that's that everyone <laughs> thinks that Otter's doing bad. Compared to the other guys that he's playing a lot of games, yeah, he's, the same he's amount of games as him, he's doing very good. He yeah, is in the same vein as... Hellebuck and Vasilevsky. the greatest goalie of the decade, Vasilevsky. And Saros, too, honestly. Yeah. So I, it, the it, it's it's crazy looking stats-wise at it, but, I mean, all, all these goaltenders you look at, you you see some nights they, they have, like, the five goal-a-night spreads that they do. I mean, that's just – that that's how it is when you play as many games as as they have. And then let's caveat this point with absolutely he has to play better recently. He has not mm-hmm. played good enough recently. The person who told you that first after last night's game was Jay Gottinger. He said, I have to be better. Of course, re- everyone in the world knows he has to be better. But to say Ottinger is bad and that he has a bad contract, you're stupid. That is a mm-hmm. dumb statement. I have seen that. I agree 100% with you, Chris. Like, He's, he's getting paid, what, $4 million? Yeah. I mean, he gets paid less than Jordan Bennington, and Bennington has a 886 save percentage on the season or something like that. It's ridiculous. Who cares about Bennington? He is one of the top 10 goalies in the NHL. That is an undisputable fact. Yeah. And you're going to say that he's not worth his contract and that he's bad. That well, and it, here's here's the other thing about these stats here, though, Chris. He's been letting up goals a lot, right? And he's he's been giving up a lot of goals. That's, that's, just, Recently, that's just a fact, yes. right? That just goes to show you how good he was for the Stars at the beginning of the year, especially. And that's something that I think could and does get lost in this whole conversation is how good he's been for super long. I mean, for stretches when the Stars were sucking it up. I mean, even in after in a little before the All-Star break, he was the only thing that was worth watching on this team. I mean, like the the no offense to the first line or to Miro Haskinen, but and they he, were sucking it up. He absolutely kept us in the first spot in the division. 
the reason that we stay have stayed in the top of the division the entire year is because Jake Gottinger has been able to weather the storm th- with for us. So now the offense is doing that a little bit for him. He's playing terrible. Offense is kind of keeping us in it. Yeah, I mean, it's about dang time, honestly. Yeah, I, I think we're like six three and one in our last ten, and Otter has let up like four or more goals in at least five of those. So it's been rough. <laughs> And it, and it again, you you want to get upset at Otter because you know how good he is, but at the same time, he knows he he's not doing very well. I mean, listen to this. I, I want to read this. Uh, th- this is from like literally. He sits down, takes off his gear. Everyone surrounds him because they all know that he's not doing well, and they want to quote from it. Here's what he says: "Let in ten goals in the in the last two games. Something's got to change. The guys have scored like crazy, which is a absolute one hundred percent fact." So it's on me to keep the puck out of our net, and I haven't done that. I expect to play every night, and I want to play every night. I keep playing like that. I'm not going to. I want to be in the net. I feel great and confident in myself. So yeah, I want to I kind of tear that apart a little bit because I, I think he's, he's lying in some of this right now. I don't think he's feeling great. I think he's tired. So, so maybe uh, he, maybe but, he feels, he feels but, great, but he's physically tired. Maybe part that's what of it, by that. though, but, is, is you're trying to keep yourself in there mentally. You're not going to say I'm tired. <laughs> that yeah, is that the is dumbest thing you, you can, can say. So play. regardless of if it's a lie or not, he's not going to ever say that. He's lying to himself correctly. <laughs> yep. And, and, and after we talked last night, Chris, and I saw the full quote of that, I felt really bad. <laughs> I was just like, how could I get on to this? I mean, I, I was fair. I, I, we, I, th- I feel like we were both fair last night, but I, I, I got to back off on him a lot more. But There's no reason to feel bad because he's playing bad. I mean, everything he said is true as well. I mean, all, all the things that we are saying are all true. Honor is great. He is playing bad. He has to play better. All of that is true at the exact same time. And he will play better. The thing that I am not worried about one bit is what will happen to Otter when the playoffs start. I know exactly what's going to happen. He's going to flip a switch, and he's going to be the best goalie in the NHL. That's what's going to happen. And, and that's... 52 save percentage. Well, that, <laughs> I that still part, laugh at that. <laughs> that. The part that Chris mentioned there is is more, more indicative of a crazy good top five goaltender in the league than anything else. Anything stats-wise will tell you. It is... When it really matters, they know how to turn it on. Yep, and, and that's that's the intangible. When you get to top ten and stats, okay, you kind of made it. And then it gets to okay, when are you clutch? When are you making the save to keep your team in in the Stanley Cup? When are you refusing to allow the other team to score when your team is playing bad and you're just trying to stay in the game? When are you? Keeping the game zero to zero the entire game to try and beat a team that is obviously better than you. That's the stuff you look for. And Otter has already proven that. He's already showed that he plays way better with a chip on his shoulder. So he gets a chip on his shoulder like that when the playoffs start, it's over. You just play a little bit good and you win. Last year, the Stars were the worst playoff team in that first round. Second worst. Another team got blown out. But they were the second worst playoff team in the first round. And they almost beat the Flames. We anywhere Correction, close to that Ottinger, this Ottinger almost beat the Flames. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the, the start. Stars. We get anywhere close to that performance <laughs> with the hockey team we have right now, we are going to go very deep into the playoffs. Knocking on wood right now. 
<laughs> so, okay. So I want to segue into, into this next part because it, it kind of, I think this is the answer to what needs to happen right now for the stars. And this is a part of the, the, the roster that has not played very well as a group. Individuals have played well, but as a group, they have not played well over the course of the season. The defense has to step it up. That is, I think right that right there is the bottom line. The offense is taking care of its job, and the defense has to be better. Now, I'm not just talking about the defensemen. Am I talking a majority about the defensemen? Yes. The forwards need to back check a little more and be more aware of their surroundings and watch those odd man rushes. But I mean, Hawk and Pot Man, minus four, you got to be better than that. And then Miller, you, Miller has those games where he 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 looks like a good fill in and he's fine. He's perfectly fine. He may make a turnover, but he makes up for it in other plays. Um, right now, the only defenseman, well, that's not true. The only two defensemen that we can fully rely upon is Esselindell. And Miro Haskinen. And they are very different. And we need a second puck-moving defenseman on this team right now. And we don't have it. The one we do have on the roster right now is healthy scratched. He got healthy scratched for five games. And then when he finally got into the lineup, he played two minutes and 39 seconds. Nils Lindquist. So, obviously, he's probably not going to be the answer for Pete DeBoer. Pete DeBoer does not trust him. Thomas Harley, I think, might be the answer. But I don't believe they're even going to remotely look at it as an option. I think part of scratching Lundqvist might be in mind that we are going to go into the playoffs. And if we are going to go deep, he has to be completely ready for that. Like if he's, if he's not ready for a tough playoff series, he's going to get demolished and he's going to be out in two games. And and he's shown that he's already not fully ready for a full NHL schedule. So yes. there's times he just got really, tired, sat out a few games, came back, and was great again. Yeah, and that, but when that's we get really too much time in the playoffs. We can't go game seven. Oh, Nils is tired. Yeah, you, you can't do that. And that, that's, that's why I feel like the coaching staff is leaning more on Hanley right now because Hanley can play that schedule, and he's shown that he can do it, and he can at least be a warm body there and be consistent in what he does, which isn't a lot, but he's consistent in it. And that, so, that's really what's worrying me with Lundqvist right now is that he's he's shown that he can't play a full season yeah, at least which, three different times, <laughs> which, which isn't a, a slide against him either. That is a normal rookie thing. Yeah. I mean, like we Wyatt said Johnson earlier in the is podcast, a freak of nature. He does not count. Exactly. He, is, he is the that's exception we to the rule. <laughs> we were saying Johnson is so great because he's the exception to that. Rookies hit a wall at 50 and Lundqvist hit a hard one. So one well, Robo Robo doesn't really count either. Although Robo, his season, his his, his rookie 50, season was only fifty, 50 games. games, right? There you go. Yeah, that's so easy. So, so yeah. So, but, but I mean, when you look at some of the other guys on this team, look at Robe Hintz. Robe Hintz is undeniably the the first line center for this team. There's no question. No one would ever doubt it. Okay, when he first came up, how long did he last? Not long. Twenty eight games, I think it is what it was. Twenty eight or thirty two, somewhere around there, and he got sent down to the AHL for the rest of the season. Well, what happened after that? He came back to to training camp the next season. Voila! He's a much better player almost immediately. Almost immediately. And then he eventually found his way to where he is now, and he's now $8 million man, Rope Hintz. Okay? Uh, a lesser one, but Ty Delandria. We've talked about at 
extent for this season, how good he's been for this team. And he's been that Swiss army knife that every team needs. And he's been able, he's been placed on the fourth line, the second line, the third line. And he's been put with so many different players all over the place. Last year, what happened? When the Stars had a lot of injuries going through and they didn't have the players they wanted when they had a rough season last year, he made the opening night roster. He played about 10, 15, maybe 18 games. His defense was not there. Did he feel bad for himself? No. He got sent down to the AHL, came back, and he wasn't. it wasn't even a question. Pete DeBoer had him penciled in early on for the opening night roster, and he mentioned that before the opening night roster even came out. He's like, no, Ty, even though Ty DeLandria is hurt, he is a staple on this team, and he's been for this whole season. So maybe that's something that we can look forward to and say, Nils Lundqvist, go to Cedar Park. And I know that's not what he wants to do, and that's why he came to Dallas is because he got frustrated with New York, and that's what New York did. But look at look at Robo, or excuse me, Rope. Look at Delandria. Maybe it's time for Nils Lundqvist to do that and give Thomas Harley a shot. Also, I mean, we've given him his chances too. We've put him on second pairing minutes. We're not sticking him down on the third pairing. And when we have put him on the third pairing, that's typically when he gets scratched for five games. <laughs> Well, and it's not really all his fault because he gets put with Ryan Suter. And Ryan Suter needs a lot of needs help. Well, that, that's Joel Hanley is very good for that. And yeah. that's why that pairing kind of works out. Yeah, that's so. what I was saying, too, because he was getting put with Haskinen a lot in the middle of the season and sometimes in the early season, too. And he looked good there till he didn't. And then we had to put him on the third pairing. And then he looked atrocious. And then we scratched him. <laughs> I don't agree with Lundqvist going to the AHL because I still think he's better than any other AHL defenseman that would be there. I think I, the only reason that I somewhat understand why he's not playing right now is because of just not being able to rely on him because of his conditioning and not being used to an NHL schedule where you're playing night in and night out. Um, I think he's still better than Harley. I think in a one-off game, he will be better than Hanley almost every time. But it's just the consistent schedule and being being able to have to rely on somebody for a full series is why Hanley's in. Um, so I don't think Lundqvist needs to go to the AHL. I think he absolutely will be on this team. Next season, I think, is his year to shine. I mean, he's, he's going to have had this training. He's going to be able to do more conditioning in the offseason, figure out exactly what he needs to do to get his body prepared for the season. And next season, I think, is when you're going to see Nils Lundqvist getting those consistent minutes and we'll have two chances of having a puck moving defenseman next season. We'll have a Nils Lundqvist and we'll have a Thomas Harley and we'll see which one sticks. And hopefully both of them do. And that was something that the 32 thoughts uh, podcast guys, I was listening to it on the way home from uh, church tonight there. The stars are in a very unique position in the fact that they're one of the better teams in the Western conference yet. They didn't have to go out and, buy everything like the Boston Bruins because the Boston Bruins, this might be their last shot. I mean, we don't know if Bergeron is coming back or Krejci or any of those guys. The Stars still have, they have Thomas Harley coming up. They have Logan Stakem coming up. They have Grushnikov, who is who is being seen as a pretty high Bork, uh, prospect. Bischel. Bork. Bischel. So, and, the, and these guys, and then we just signed a guy who is second in, I, I can't believe I didn't even mention that, but second in WHL Scoring behind one person named Connor Bedard, uh, Chase Wheatcraft. <laughs> I don't know who, who the heck is that. Connor Bedard? No, 
Chase someone Weekly. Should, someone should draft them. So, and yeah, it's, by the way, they did sign that guy. He got a three-year contract. He's an overager in the in the minor leagues. That's a, a side thing. We'll talk about that more another time. But they're in an interesting set here, and that's why we didn't go out and get a, a Timo Meyer or a, I don't know, I don't even remember who the other big names were on the on, on the list out there. But there were some other big names that Kane, Patrick Kane, why we didn't do it because it was too big of a price to pay because we have guys coming up who are going to take those roster spots very soon. And it's also why we got two rentals too, because we don't need to Donovan Domi next year. I mean, they might not be good enough to make the roster when you have a stink of in and Bork biting at their heels. Mm -hmm. I would really like to keep both though. Domi has been very good for both for both of those guys. I'd like to and and Dodonov has looked really good next to Ben and Johnston. And they've tried to Landria next to Ben and Johnston, and he just hasn't done as good as Dodonov has. Dodonov yeah, seems to be that third guy that just kind of fits with the pair of Ben and Johnston really well. I, I just don't know that Dodonov's going to be worth it for what he's probably going to want anyway. But and Stankovan's got to play next to Johnston. Come on, dude. It's got to happen. <laughs> Can you? I. I just want to see that old meets new. Jamie Ben, Wyatt Johnston, uh, Logan. Uh, that's just giving me chills just thinking about that. Okay, we got to move on. We're, it's getting late. Okay, that that just gets me excited. That's a good thing to to end on. Uh, Dallas Stars talk wise. Okay, uh, tonight's who cares segment was actually well, I guess it was sort of kind of y'all's idea because as I was joining the green room, uh, I heard y'all talking about this and I was just like, well, let's just do this. So I guess it was sort of kind of y'all y'all's idea, but it was my idea. So. Normally, it's Chris who comes up with it. I I overheard someone yell fruit in the hallway. So that's where this came from. So who who was it that yelled? I think it was mother. It was okay. So it was mom. We can blame mom for this. Thank you, mom, for the idea. We are doing our top three jams, jellies, or preserves, whatever you want to call them. It uh, does not matter. No, 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 no. It absolutely does matter. It 100% it makes a big matters. difference, actually. Uh, here is the difference between jams, jellies, and, prefer- and preserves. Jelly okay, there, is there made... is a difference. There is a difference, but for our top three, it doesn't matter. You can pick yes, one of those matter. three. I am being very specific. Okay. Jelly fine. is made really with strained specific. fruit juice. There is no pieces of fruit and jelly. Jam is made with mashed fruit, so bits of mashed up fruit in there. Stop looking at your computer screen to, to explain this. I'm just making sure it's I'm doing this right because this is very important. <laughs> Preserves are made with whole fruit or large chunks of fruit. So fruit that is not in the mashed state, as one might say. So very different. Um, I, I will be differentiating on every single one of my choices. And I'm actually selecting one of each because I think each has their own uh, unique properties and work better in different circumstances so with all of that said uh james your number three third sorry jam jelly and or preserve and by the way chris i have very specific ones too I was gonna pick one. Oh my gosh, y'all are stupid. Okay. Uh I'm my number third is gonna be a strawberry jam. It, I, it's very basic, solid number three. I like it on like it on biscuits, like it on toast, and that's about it. I I'm I'm very <laughs> similar. I, I went strawberry preserves. Um so 
similar to what you said, very all around uh, kind of guy here with strawberry preserves. You can put him anywhere and he does great. Um, and I like the preserves better. I like getting a little bit of texture on a little bit more texture than the jam provides. So you get, you get some, you get to chew a little bit of strawberry on the preserves. Very, very appreciative. Uh, Ryan, number third. So my number third is actually going to be grape jelly. Mm. The good old classic, but it has to be jelly. And I know this is stupid. It's a five-year-old here. Okay. It is a five-year-old thing here. Okay. Like everybody who knows me knows I was a super picky eater. I still kind of am. I've gotten a lot better, but PB and J was like one of my food groups growing up when I was like in elementary school. Okay. It was like, I ate it like two times every single day, like Sunday through Saturday. Didn't matter. But my, my thing with a lot of food is texture, all right? And I'm not saying that I don't like preserves and, oh, shut up, Chris, and jam. But I, I can't have, like, I, I, I can't have, like, thick stuff in a sandwich. It, it, it bothers me, okay? Yeah. So That's why he does peanut butter, you know? Keep it nice and thin. Okay, but James, number butter, second. Creamy <laughs> peanut butter, creamy peanut butter, and grape jelly. There you go. Thank you for letting me yeah, finish. Creamy peanut butter is not thick at all. James, my number second. number second is grape jelly. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> grape so you jelly. let me take you let me take all the arrows and wait to wait. <laughs> exactly. I, that was exactly. smart, James. That was very but good. And now I, Chris is giving you the same look, even though he's not really I, I like, he's looking at you. <laughs> I, the, the only thing I eat uh with pb and j is grape jelly i don't do strawberry jelly or any other jelly i use okay grape now, jelly. no that, okay now yes. that is no, wrong i am right. that is wrong i like grape jelly only on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that's, right, how, number that's how you see it in the pictures that's how it's supposed to be right number second are chris and i actually agreeing on something what the heck? no you still put okay. grape jelly uh <laughs> <laughs> i said on something i didn't say everything all right, my number second is I'm going with the strawberry, and it doesn't matter, either the jam or the preserves, but not on a sandwich. It, it, it can go on, like, a bagel or a piece of toast or something like that. That's when I don't yeah, mind bagels. stuff like that. Number two, strawberry, jam, or preserves. My number second is going to be blackberry jam. This is one where you, really, where you really need it to be mashed up. Uh, this one... Will be a little bit less sweet as far as jams, jellies, and preserves can go. As you know, they put sugar in that stuff, so it's still quite sweet. But adds a little bit of bitterness, a little bit of tartness. Very good on toast. Very good on cinnamon raisin toast with blackberry jelly. It's interesting. It's great. I promise. I promise. Okay, Very now good. you got me interested. I'll give it a try. Also, I, I, that's a weird combo. It's a weird jam for a weird combo. No, no, not the blackberry. The blackberry part is not the weird part. The, the weird part is the cinnamon raisin with the blackberry. Blackberry that seems is still weird to kind me. of a weird jam. I would put that in the not common category. Yes, James, right. number first, jam, jelly, and or preserve. Uh, my number first is peach jam. It's, it's my favorite to go on biscuits. That's really... The main thing I use it for, it just it's it's the perfect combination. I think me and James have a distinct childhood memory of having <laughs> except I am pretty sure it was jelly. I'm gonna I, put that out there. I remember it being I no. am 90% sure that we got homemade I'm, peach jelly. I'm 91% sure that it's jam. <laughs> I'm 
I've now up my percentage to ninety two. No, no, I no. Okay, y'all start. You, Chris, you said homemade, and that that it's, I don't know. It sparked something yeah. in my head, and I you remembered. You remember but now? I I think I'm almost positive it was jam. It was not jelly. I'm gonna I'm, argue this to the grave. I think it was jelly. Who wants mashed up peach in your me. jam? That sounds gross. It was jelly, but it was fantastic. We it always put amazing. it on biscuits. I don't know why it was only biscuits, but I remember the exact same thing. We only ever put it on biscuits. Never on peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> we never used it on peanut butter and jelly. It just didn't belong there. It belongs but yeah. on biscuits. That's what it's Pe- for. And it tastes jelly amazing. On some buttery, salty biscuits. <laughs> Fantastic. Ryan, number first. Do y'all remember who made that? No idea. Couldn't tell you. Mom could probably tell us. We'll have to ask her after this. Um, my number one, and it's all thanks to actually Samuel. He has been on this kick for this jam recently. It's apricot jam. Apricot jam. It's Meh. it's actually really fantastic. It's amazing, and he he likes to put it mostly on bagels because he's a he loves bagels. I don't know what it is about ba- him and bagels, but he loves them. But for me, I I love putting the apricot jam on uh, biscuits. Bless you, Chris. Um, and it's it. I don't know. It's a revelation. You have to eat it. It's, it's amazing. Okay, I, I don't even know what to so say to that. Bye. <laughs> What's an apricot? Apricot? It's a fruit. I, I don't think I've ever eaten Name, an apricot in my entire life. <laughs> no, I, I have to leave it. I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> y'all can finish without me. <laughs> THPN DraftKings tomorrow hockey game. Stars tied now for Central Division lead. Minnesota's going on a tear. Colorado lost tonight against could, the Penguins. We could have lost. We could have lost the lead. The Penguins are playing us tomorrow night, so we better win. Boom. That's the end of the podcast. Flip sides, THPN, DraftKings, all that stuff. Chris, Website, come on. Website, blogs, you... uh, shops, uh, uh, explosions, happiness, butterflies, rainbows, unicorns, leprechauns. Done. Bye. You forgot one thing. What? What's happening on Saturday? The live show, live on Saturday. We're doing it live. We're going to be somewhere. We're going to be setting stuff up. We're going to have a little flyeries. We'll give you a little flyery to give to all your little friends. Uh, you'll come say hi to us. You come screaming our microphone, screaming our faces. Uh, yeah. Please Why? don't scream in our faces. <laughs> I'll take it, man. We're, we're happy back. people. We're happy people. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what to say. So we're just gonna end it. See you guys later. Catch you on the flip side. That's, what, that's all you gotta say. Tomorrow. Bye. <laughs>